Welcome to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and today my guest is Diane Blazik from You are the Executive Director of All America Selections. And Diane, tell us what um, All America Selections is for those people that haven't tuned in before. Sure. Um, well, we are a nonprofit organization, and our mission, our purpose, is to test new unsold cultivars of both edibles and ornamentals. And um, I say we test them. We actually have a group of judges that test them. And then only the top garden performers are named AAS winners. Then we're in charge of promoting those AAS winners through a PR and publicity program. And how long has the program been going? We have been around since 1932, so definitely an older organization, um, but I like to say that we're not resting on our laurels and we're not an old organization. You know, we certainly are keeping up with the current trends and using social media and, you know, trying to latch on to some of the trends that are happening in gardening and, you know, especially like with the foodies that are out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Some of the vegetables that we have as winners are, are quite unique and we have a lot of classes recently where it's the first winner in that class of plants. So so it's really fun. Uh, the breeders are very supportive of us, and we try to stay up to date. Now, can I, for just because I'm sure somebody is going to be wanting to think, well, if the breeders are supporting you, um, do you, you don't do you give them any benefits? Well, um, gosh, I certainly hope we do, or else we would no longer exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, I mean, do you swing yeah. it their, their way if if they donate money? You don't take money oh, for that, right? Oh, oh okay. Um, well, here's how it works: is a breeder has to pay an entry fee, and that basically covers our cost to trial that entry. So, you know, it's you you pay, and then we trial it. So it's not like we go out there and just trial everything on the market because honestly, there's way too much. So. The breeders are very selective in what they pick from their breeding pipeline and what they enter into our gardens. But then here's the really interesting thing is everything is trialed anonymously. So when it comes into our office, we give it a trial code, and then our judges, we have approximately 80 judges, they do not know uh, the breeder behind that entry, behind that variety. In fact, the variety has not even been sold on the market yet. So they don't even know a variety name, even if it has a variety name. Um, Quite often at this stage in the breeding process, it'll have some sort of identification number instead of a name. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's all done anonymous by our judges. And then once all the the growing, the rating, the evaluations and everything is done, then we let the judges know who the breeders were behind uh, behind the winners. If it wasn't a winner, usually it just kind of goes back into the breeding system and they continue to, you know, try to work on improvements to it. Okay. And now you mentioned 80 judges. Where are they? All over North America. So it's U.S. and Canada. And uh, we do have a list of judges on our website, Uh, not a map, but you know, it just makes sense that we continually are trying to get judges in different areas of North America. Um, you know, we don't want 
two judges five miles apart because then the climate, the growing conditions are very much the same. But we're always looking at a map of North America and saying, okay, well, we, we have a little gap here, so we need somebody in this area because, you know, maybe this arid climate doesn't have a judge. So it is. It's all over North America, and we're always staying on top. You know, like let's say we have a judge that retires. Well, then we'll try to find somebody else to replace him in that area. That's a good thing for people to know because one of the things about a lot of other so-called winners programs is that things are trialed for a very short period of time or in just in one area. And I remember last, oh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was this fantastic coreopsis that was developed out west, and it was supposed to be super cold-hardy and everything. And you bring it east, and it's a dud. Yeah, because of our yeah, wet right. climate, especially our wet winters, uh-huh. and pretty much no, no no matter what you did do it, unless you planted it under the eaves of the house, you you couldn't get that sucker to live. And, yeah, yeah. And that had come out with a whole lot of fanfare. I don't even remember now which one it was, but but you have you you're spread out enough so that you've got enough data that comes in from all these places so that doesn't happen. Is that right? Exactly. And, you know, that's the whole premise that the organization was founded on. Um, Ray Hastings was our founder. He was a southern seedsman, and this was in, you know, between the two world wars, uh, you know, kind of in that robust period of growth, and that's when a lot of the breeding companies were being formed or really starting to come out with um, hybrids and new varieties that they had been working on, and so he was working for this association and was just seeing that there's so many new things coming out. How do you know? You know, anybody can make a claim about what it does or what's special about it, but he thought there needed to be an independent nonprofit organization that would actually do this trialing and get a number of judges involved and a number of judges <clears throat> sorry, from all over North America so that you have that data like you talked about. And, you know, so if it performs for 70% of the judges across North America, you know that it's going to pretty much perform in your backyard. And you also got a program that was new, what, last year or the year before, of regional winners, plants that will do well in one part of the country but not in another? Yeah, and and this kind of came about, and I will tell you the the history of one. Um, We had an okra about five years ago, I think, and this okra just did phenomenally well in the southeast and, you know, kind of the the Sun Belt area. And we were looking at that thinking, wow, this is just a really cool new variety. And I can't remember the details about the okra. But because it was an okra, it didn't do well everywhere. And um, so that made us think, well, what if we started recognizing things that do do well in a certain area? So every single entry that comes into All-America Selections is first evaluated on a national basis. In fact, we tell our judges, you know, don't don't put your um, 
you know, your, your old hat on where you think, oh, well, this wouldn't grow well for me, so I'm just not going to grow it. We ask them to grow every single entry, and then, because uh, you never know, you know, what if it's an okra for the north, which, which I know exists, um, or what if it's a celery that doesn't take as long so people in the north can finally grow the celery, that kind of thing. Uh, so, yes, we started, um, I think it was three years ago, where we would look at the scores, evaluate them for a national winner. If it didn't perform everywhere, then we started looking at it on a regional basis. We divided all of our judging locations by region, and now we are able to recognize some of those regional performing varieties. That is terrific because I know that what I grew up north very often doesn't do very well down here with our heat and humidity. Um, and conversely, something like the okra, okra will do well for us because we have a long growing season. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and we have found that really for the regional winters, it is true more for edibles. And I always like to talk about that. And I said, you know, think of cuisines and think of regional cuisines. There's, there's a reason why certain things have historically been eaten in certain parts of the country because it grows well. And um, so that just correlates with our regional winners. But now the breeders, you know, because of what they're able to do, um, are expanding some of those. And, you know, and, I, and we still don't have a winner that's a very short crop celery, but that's one of the things I envisioned is maybe they can make a celery that would mature in like 60 to 70 days instead of 120. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it's an example. That that sounds like a wonderful idea. I would love to be able to grow celery. And here, of course, the problem is the heat. Where I lived in New Jersey, there was a celery farm uh, right next to the riding stable where I used to go. It was great muckland, and being right next to New York City, you know, that's where most of New York City's celery came from, right oh, up in that neck of the woods. Uh, but, and, and even though it did have a fairly short season, since it was New Jersey, New Jersey is, tends to have milder springs and falls because right. of the influence of the Atlantic, particularly in the fall. Once the ocean warms up a little bit, it stayed a little bit warmer, and it was just enough for them to get a good crop. Uh-huh. And I do yeah, love sense, celery. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I do <yeah>. love celery. <laughs> and I've grown some of the celery substitutes where you just get the leaf, but you don't get that, stu- that crunch. crunch. Yeah, yeah, you get the flavor but not the crunch. And sometimes you just need the crunch. Yeah. The AAS has been, I, I can't even think of what the first cucumber was that I grew. Um, I think it was probably straight eight. I was going to say, straight eight is the most popular cucumber winner ever, and it's, you know, it's from way back when. In fact, I think it was like 35 or something, but it is it is still out there, and it's so funny because one of our judges was saying the other day, it's a great cucumber, but there are better ones out there, but still, still, that's the one that everybody seems to turn to is straight eight. Well, it's because I think it's, you know, like an old pair of jeans. You know how it's going to do for you, and and uh, it's just comfortable. Right. And right. some yeah. of the new ones, some of the new ones might not. You know, it's like the pick-a-bushel um, cucumber. For me, it doesn't do very well, but it's a regional win- winner for up north, so that makes perfect sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And and you've still got some of my some of my all-time favorites, like Carmen Pepper. Uh, love that, that one pepper. came out that ages ago. 
Yeah. And yeah. I, it, it blows me away that it, it goes from green to red so early. And then not only that, but um, once you're getting ripe cucumbers off of it, it doesn't stop producing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, a cute little story about that Carmen Pepper. Um, every year, All America Selections, we have a summer meeting, and it's where we kind of gather our judges and the industry together, and we look at trials, et cetera. We also announce two awards. One is called a Medallion of Honor, and one is a Breeders' Cup. So the breeder is always recognizing one of the people that's behind a lot of AAS winners. So this year, this past summer, we recognized Janica Eckert from Johnny's Selected Seeds. She's the one who bred Carmen Pepper. Oh, how nice. Well, she did yeah, a fantastic she was, job. She did. She did. Her specialty is peppers, and, in fact, I think every pepper winner that we have from Johnny's was bred by Janica, and she's just the cutest, most humblest, person you would ever meet and she was just overwhelmed with this honor which makes it all the better for us to give it to her well it's nice to see breeders get recognition too because of course most people don't know where their food comes from Um, they think it's all just a big company but of course johnny is owned by the people that work there and exactly yeah yeah i love the small breeder aspect you have a, um, a tomato breeder that is also a very small breeder too and we're going to come we have to take a break but when we come back i'd like to talk about that and i'd like to talk about the 2017 winners because you've got a really nice lineup there it looks like i can't wait to try them we'll be right back after this break the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My guest today is Diane Blazik from the All-America Selections. We've been talking about how, where people who makes these um, wonderful tomatoes and vegetables and, and stuff that we grow. And 
I mentioned right before the break that there is a woman who has bred. There's now there's three tomatoes in the Chef's Choice line now. Um, actually, we just announced the fourth one, so we have four oh. in the series. What color is the new one? The newest one is yellow. So we now have yellow, green, pink, and orange as part of the Chef's Choice line. And are they fairly similar in size and shape and and yeah. age to maturity? Yeah. Yes, they they all are very similar. Um, so they're they're you know I'd call them a beefsteak. They're pretty large. I I, I grew mm-hmm. the orange one last year and the pink one the year before that, and I was just amazed at the productivity. You know the vines um, they're not huge, like six or seven feet, but the you know they need some good support because they put such. Um, big tomatoes on, but the flavor of them are just unreal. You know, it's, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say they're pretty close to being that old-fashioned, heirloomy type of taste. In fact, uh, the Chef's Choice Orange is a derivative. I think she used a mana orange as one of the parents, um, but, it, you know, all of these are hybrids. But, oh, my gosh, the, the flavor, the texture, the the productivity on the vines are are good with all the chef's choice. And that's really important for a home gardener, too, because we don't want to go out, out and spray things, and um, we don't want to fuss. We just want to have luscious tomatoes. And exactly. having something that will do well is and, and have flavor is, is great. You know, it's, it's like some tomatoes will produce really well, but they're kind of flavorless. Right, or the texture uh, and then you is get, bad. <laughs> yeah, and then you get it. it then you, so you try to grow the heirlooms, and I grow a lot of heirlooms. I am I'm kind of an heirloom freak, but I gotta admit that some of them just don't do all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. some of them like Ozark Pink and Arkansas Traveler and Cherokee Purple do really well here. Brandywine, not so much. Hmm. Yeah, and it's just you know, it's just the climate. It's just the climate. It is, yeah. We were just talking about the regional differences, and and the same holds true. And, you know, I wish there was a really good source where you could look at the heirlooms and say, okay, this one is more for this region, and and, and maybe that exists. I'm just not familiar with it. Well, a lot of of cooperative extension services have done things like that. And basically you look at your state's website or a nearby state's website, and they're now that – you know, more people are wanting heirlooms. They're testing more of them. Yeah, Twenty years ago, good. it was good. all hybrids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they realize that even commercial growers want that heirloom flavor. So right. tell me about this person that um, developed these tomatoes. Well, her name is Patty Buskirk. Um, the company is called Seeds by Design. And actually, she has an organic seed company also, Terra Organics. So some of our AAF winners are from Terra Organics, and some of them are from Seeds by Design. But she's a California breeder. And what's really neat, I mean, she's, she's a fascinating person. Her, her knowledge, as you can imagine, is just unreal, and she works in a lot of different areas. She also partners with a lot of different people. So when when she brings something to market, you know, it may be a joint effort between her and Burpee, which was one of them, or her and this Israeli company was one of her herbs. Um, but the tomatoes that she did, this Chef's Choice series, um, was her her working with another retired tomato breeder and 
actually, he won an award, that same Breeders' Cup award. He has since passed, but I think he was the one that worked with Patty and got this whole series started. So, again, they were just looking at, you know, all these different colors of tomatoes and how do we hybridize them to make sure that they're disease-resistant and productive and have that great taste and texture and everything. And so they found these, and there's enough similarities between them where they came up with a series which is kind of unusual in vegetables. You see it in bedding plants all the time, but mm-hmm. not so much in vegetables. Yeah, and I especially like that the series are close in size, but the colors are different so that you can grow several of them and lay them out on a plate. Yes. It just, a, I, yeah, it I just looks like a rainbow on your plate. It, it would be, yeah, beautiful. You know, there's there's an element of edible gardening that I call, um, I don't, you know, arrogance, bragging rights, something like that. And so, if you grew all four of these colored tomatoes and then you served them to your guest, I mean, you can do some pretty good patting yourself on the back if you create this beautiful <laughs> dish with everything from your garden. And that's always a fun thing to do, just cook from the garden. And there's so much satisfaction when you cook from the garden and everything that's on your plate came from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is just... And you can impress people, and it tastes great, and you've saved money, (laughs) and it's healthy, you know, what's not to love. And maybe you can persuade them that they can grow their own, too. Right. I'm really addicted to try to get people to start gardening if they've never gardened before and to get the kids gardening Um, because gardening is so much fun. Mm -hmm. All right. We promised people the 2017 winners. So now you said that we have a new one out in the Chef's Choice tomato line that is yellow. That is yellow. Chef's Choice yellow. So, again, I mean, I've. We've kind of already talked about some of the characteristics, but it's, it's a beautiful yellow one. This one is a regional winner um, for the southeast, so it, uh, it definitely is putting up with the heat and humidity and everything. Um, so it's that beefsteak tomato, great taste, great texture. You can try growing it anywhere, but we're saying that the people in the southeast are definitely going to have the most success with it. It is also very disease-resistant. Oh, boy, we certainly need it here. Yes. Last year, the disease problem wasn't too bad because we went for 70-something days without any rain, which is very unusual for here. Atlanta, I think, went 42 days without any rain, and that was a record. Um, but yeah, wow. And that was good for one thing, and that was that the the you know most tomato diseases are spread by moisture. And from that standpoint, that was a good thing. But the problem was that it was so hot here that a lot of plants didn't set fruit until it started cooling down again later in the season. Right, right, yeah. Tomatoes like to do that. It's just kind of shut down. Do you have any other tomatoes for this year? Yes, we do. Now, this is from the same breeding company, um, and this one is called Patio Choice. So the others are called Chef's Choice. This one's Patio Choice. So guess what? It can be grown in a patio container. So this is, um, it's Patio Choice Yellow. So it's a yellow, round, cherry tomato. But they only get about 18 inches tall. Really don't need to stake them or put them in a basket or anything. If you have them in a container, they're just going to spill over the sides. Very easy to pick. Very sweet. You know, that good balance between sweetness and acidity. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, this one is um, our other tomato winner for 2017. Now, I noticed you met, mentioned patio, that it's a patio tomato, and and you also have a pea that's a patio type. Right, right. Oh, and we are on a roll here because this is, again, from the same breeder. Um, really? Again, she, yes, it really is. And you didn't know this. We'll tell all your listeners. You didn't know this. This was not um, planned. <laughs> Uh, but yes, it's it is the the pea that will grow in a container, which is perfect. And by the way, I'm just going to throw out this tip: peas, cool weather crop. Plant them with pansies or violas. You've got ornamentals. Then you've got the edibles there. You can also use any tendrils that might grow on there. So you've got a multi use multi use plant. Um, so yes, this one is has the edible pods, uh, like oh, oh cool three three inch pods. So it's it's just another great edible one. It is a regional winner also for the southeast. People oh. in the southeast are so lucky. They can pretty much grow everything. <laughs> well. Almost. Well. <laughs> <laughs> much, much better than in Chicago, put it that way. Well, I've gardened both in the Chicago area and down south, and there are some things that just do a whole lot better up in the Midwest. Yeah. Besides well, we which, you have out soil. A lot of the bugs and diseases up here. Yeah, you, yeah. The, the winter snow and the ice and and horrible cold temperatures that I remember are good for for some things, and one of them is to kill off a lot of bugs. Yeah, right. And they do. We, in our area, we have a lot of insects that overwinter in Florida, and then in the springtime, when the winds are coming from the south, they blow up here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the we have our. I think we should talk about with with uh, this pea patio pride, um, and I said that it was from the same breeder, and that she has one company called Seeds by Design. The other one is Terra Organics. So this mm-hmm. pea patio pride is actually uh, from the organic company, so it's available organically. And then one other thing on all these winners on our website, when you go to it, there's a little button there that says AAS winners. When you go under it, it says buy AAS winners. There's there's links to a lot of different mail order companies, and then there's an extensive Excel chart that shows all the companies that are carrying these AES winners. And, I mean, we hear about new companies all the time, so when we hear about them, we add them. But right now I think there's probably about 25 different companies listed, so you can go on there and find out where you can buy the seed for these AES winners. Good. That that's that's I will take a look at that for one of my garden forum staffers who is looking to find delicious strawberries. Oh, and oh, she'd rather have the plants than the seeds, but she's having a heck of a time finding them. Oh. Okay. And the seeds she found were really expensive too. Like 8 bucks for 10 seeds. Yeah, well, you'll get 10 good plants there. <laughs> and okay, so on that list um, if it's available as a plant, there's a P, um, and if it's available only as seed, then it'll be F. Um, so that should help her. Um, yep, we have okay. one source listed for plants. Good. I'm just scrolling down now to the um, to the flowchart, the spreadsheet. Yes, here. strawberry delis is available as plants from Burpee. Okay. So we've got a couple of different things for patios. Is that a trend that you're seeing now? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, I you know a, a good five years or more. Um, it, it just makes sense because our yards are shrinking, or we're getting older. You know, container raised bed gardening is much easier. You can control the type of soil that's in there. So it has been a trend for quite some time, and I don't think it's going to discontinue. Uh, and it's so helpful because then then you know what you can grow in a container. And in fact, when we just we relaunched our website about two months ago, that's one of the things we did. Is there's a click for container suitable, and so when you click on that, those are the ones we've tagged as being good to grow in containers. That's wonderful news because, of course, I've been experimenting with that for a long time, but. It's nice to have the research already done for you from, by somebody else. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I've been growing in containers for years and years and years, and it's only recently that, that it seems like there's a trend to find vegetables that are available for containers. And I've just made do with what I can. We've got to take another break right now, but when we come back, let's talk about some of the other winners for this year. We'll be right okay. back after this. Quick Stakes. That's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and my guest today is Diane Blazik from the All-America Selections. And right before the break, we were talking about the trend in plants for containers, particularly container vegetables. And so tell me what, what else you're finding. And, and are you, I know you said that you have on the AAS site, you have a list on whether it's available, suitable for containers. And right. Who's right. doing the research on this? Well, the breeders do the research. So, um, you know, that's one of their breeding goals with many of these items is let's make it more compact or let's make um, its habit or, you know, just its nature where, where it will perform better in containers. And every year I go out to California and travel up and down seeing a lot of these trials. And there's one company in particular that has done a lot of really good research on containers. And last year I saw that she had done, I think, about six different peppers, maybe the same number of tomatoes. And she wanted to see how small could she go because I think the number one mistake that new gardeners make is that they they – 
start out with too small of a container. Um, You know, either for aesthetic purposes or for cultural practices, too small just, it doesn't work. You know, on the front of your porch, a bigger one will look better than a smaller one, et cetera. And well, yeah, also, and you can you can keep the moisture more even and oh yeah yeah, yeah exactly. if you go There's, if you come home late from work one day your plants are not going to be wilted all over the floor <laughs> of the porch <laughs> exactly and yeah the wind it'll blow them over everything like that so um, and I don't remember the exact dimensions but let's just say that she tried a twenty inch an 18-inch and a 12-inch and she just wanted to see and it was very interesting and this was. It was true for tomatoes and peppers, but the number of fruits, produce, that she got off of each plant would decline as the pot got smaller. Mm -hmm. And then um, the same thing that she did was she thought, well, this whole ornamental and edible trend, you know, you're trying to put flowers around your vegetables to make them look prettier. And so she found that if you put even something small that doesn't get real big and robust around your tomatoes or peppers, what happens is it it eats up all the nutrition from the soil. So, again, you get a smaller number of fruits from each plant if you're combining them with ornamentals. So you can still get a few tomatoes or peppers, but you're going to get fewer if you're planting them with flowers in the same container. Even did she take into account the nutritional differences if you gave them extra fertilizer, or was that like a one-shot Osmocote deal in the Well, she was treating them all the same. So the amount of water they got was the same. The amount of fertilizer they got was the same. So, again, she found the ones with flowers in the same container, even if they got the same amount of nutrition, she didn't up the amount of nutrition if there was a combination. Okay. So that would be interesting, you know, like, well, maybe halfway through the season she starts boosting the amount of fertilizer for the combination containers. It may have made a difference, but I just thought that was a really good blanket statement to make is the smaller the container and the more plants you have in there, you know, if you, I think it would hold true even if you had, you know, maybe an herb in there. It's, you, you got to think about the amount of nutrition in that soil. There's only so much. So you're either going to have to fertilize it more, but in the case of a tomato, you're probably just going to get more leaves and foliage, not necessarily produce. Well, it depends. If, if you're shooting a lot of nitrogen to it because you have lettuce in there or something, which, by the way, in most of the country, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, lettuce and tomatoes, just they, they require too many different things. Um, but if you're trying to boost the foliage of something, um, yes, you're going to get more foliage on the tomatoes, too, and probably a little less fruit set. But I've always found that by midsummer I have to supplement, whether I start off with an organic or um, a commercial um, soil or fertilizer. And I always start the year with slow release, but by midsummer I'm having to supplement. Uh Right. right. Part of that is my climate because I have a long growing season, and when you have to water every day because it's so doggone hot, a lot of those nutrients get washed out of the soil sure. as careful yeah, as you out. try to be with them. Yeah, hey, does, yeah. Is her research available online anyplace? You know, I have not seen it online anywhere. I'll have to ask her about it and see if maybe she will post it or let us post it. But if she does, I'll let you know. That would be great because I think that would be a 
real service to our listeners because, you know, you see so many different things in so many different books, and frankly, some of them are just wrong. I remember my first ever book on growing vegetables. It was called Cucumbers in a Flower Pot. And it said that you can grow cucumbers in a six-inch pot. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, no way. I know. If, <laughs> you, you can grow it if you don't want anything except a straggly vine. Right, it just yeah. isn't happy in something <laughs> you mean that small. that's not success, just a little No, vine. that is not success. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, do it right the first time so you're not disappointed. But the question is, when you're trying to do it right, the question is, how do you know what, it's, what right is going to be unless you experiment? And right, I don't want any yeah. of my listeners to be disappointed, um, you know, when they don't have good results growing something. Because exactly. it's so much we fun be when you get it. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's no point in doing it if you're going to get tortured and, and not get anything. Okay. Right. So what other, we've got, we've established that there's a trend now for patio types. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. other patio types in the veggies for this year? Um, well, there's a couple that you can grow in vet in in containers. Not that they were specific, but I I just I have to talk about one pepper that I think is the coolest, cutest little thing, and um, it's called Mad Hatter, and it's the capsicum baccatum type pepper. You know, it looks like I think the heirloom one is called Bishop's Hat or something. So okay. this is a hybrid one. Um, the shape of it is so cute. We were talking earlier about impressing your your guest and serving it. Uh-huh. This would be one that would really per, uh, impress them. Use it in Peruvian cuisine. You can stuff it with, with cheese or something else, um, maybe pickle them. There's a lot of different uses. Very prolific grower, and, you know, they'll, they'll start out green and turn red. Just Really, I can't get over this one. I want to grow it this year. Um, it's it's bushy. It's it's not going to get overly tall. Probably you know three to four feet. So you might want to stake it just in case. Um, but all these little peppers that you'll get from it will be well worth it. That sounds fun. Okay, I, what that's else? what I think. And I love the ones that are unique and fun. And you know, okay. So we were talking earlier about things that are first in class. We have a fennel, and this is one of those things. You could grow it in a container. You can grow it in the garden, and it has many different uses. If you don't like the taste of fennel, then just grow it for the ornamental value. Grow it for your pollinators um, because the caterpillars will love it. Um, you can let it go to seed and have your fennel seed. So really, four different uses, but the, the variety name of this one is called Antares, A-N-T-A-R-E-S. I can't wait to try that one. Fennel is so cool to have in the garden. Um, as long as you know that the swallowtail butterflies larvae are going to eat the stuff and don't panic. Uh-huh. It's kind of like when you grow celery. You know, right. they will come, and that's yes. that's what they're supposed to be supposed to have some some larval food source. Yeah. Okay, that's, I, I can't wait to try that one. Have that, you tasted it yet? Um. Actually, I did, and I'm going to have a little disclaimer here. Um, I did not like it, but the judge who gave it to me cautioned me because I think it was like September. He goes, I think it's going to be pretty over overdone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's okay. You know, I'll take it. Well, it was a little too overdone. <laughs> <laughs> and so I am willing to give it another try. I, I want to harvest it, you know, in a very 
not very immature stage, but definitely get it when it's sweeter and tender and a smaller bulb just to give it another chance because I'm not sure that my husband will try it if I let it go as long as it went last year. <laughs> yeah, and, and like so many vegetables, they're just better when they're picked young before they get exactly. woody and pissy. You know, I'm sure right. most of us that have grown beets have seen, have had a beet or two that have just gone way past their prime and they're, yeah. they're just not worth eating. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah, you pick them early and you, and you experiment. I like yeah, to, do. if I'm growing something new, I like to pick them at different stages of maturity, if I can. If it's particularly with, the, you know, some of the underground vegetables um, or with lettuces, because mm-hmm. you just never, some of them are superb if they're picked young. Yeah, and, exactly. and And as soon as they get mature, even before they start to send up a seed stalk or anything, they're just nasty. Right, right, yeah. Now, so a lot of people like why, bitter, but I, yeah, I'm not one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the baby lettuces. I mean, that's why they're so expensive in the stores. You're harvesting them so young, so it needs a lot more seed, yep. a lot more labor, but they're so worth it. They, they definitely are. Once they get to the stage where you're getting latex coming out of that white stuff, yeah. it's just <laughs> even the chickens don't like it when it's at that stage. Yeah, and, you know, they yeah. eat pretty much anything. All right, we got another couple of minutes in this segment. What else have we got this year? Let's talk about our okra. We we mentioned an okra earlier that we had trialed like five years ago. This is not that okra. This one did win a national award. Cool. What's unique about it is the color and the shape of it. So it's a round pod. It doesn't have those angular, you know, sides to it. Oh. And it is red. It is beautiful. And one judge said, my only complaint is how much time I had to spend harvesting because it just kept producing and (laughs) producing and producing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Okra Candle Fire is one of our newest AES winners. And here's another interesting thing that um, we're attracting attention to where a lot of Breeding companies that are based out of Asia are entering into our trials, and then it's the way for them to get into the North American market. And that is the case with this one. It's from a company called Known You Seeds, and this is probably about their third or fourth winner that they've had. Um, but this one has gotten a ton of attention. I think it's it's going to displace a lot of the red okras that are out there. There's been some production problems and disease issues and everything. So this this candle fire has gotten a ton of attention since it was announced. And this one is red too. Um, uh-huh. not burgundy like a lot of the other so-called red okras. Right, right, yeah. It's real In fact, there, there's an old one that's called burgundy that was an older AAS winner, mm-hmm. and I don't think we, uh, yep, red burgundy, and we use that as one of the comparisons, which I didn't even really talk, but every AAS entry is grown next to one or two comparisons so that we can really say, okay, well, you know, it's earlier or it's more disease resistant or it puts on more fruits. There's a lot of different traits that we look for. So a lot of times, if there is an AAS winner that's similar, we'll use that as a comparison because if that one won, but this one is even better, that says a lot for that variety. Yeah. Yes, it certainly does. 
Yeah. Wow. I'm. You've got such a variety of stuff this year. Yeah, that's what, that's what I love. You know, it's not just, and nothing wrong, but it's not just tomatoes and peppers. You know, we've, we've right. got this huge variety. And then if you go back just like within the last year or two also, you're going to see um, even more variety. Yeah. It's time for us to pay some bills again, so we'll be back after this. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, You can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and my guest today is Diane Blazik from the All-America Selections. We've been talking today about how the process works and where these seeds come from, and but they also have a program um, besides the vegetables, of course, and, it, and that is for growing flowers. And some of them are flowers from seed, and some of them are, are those that are vegetatively propagated that you only usually find at your nursery. So let's talk about those, Diane. Yeah, where do we start? Um, let's start out. What do you like? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the one that I think is probably a little bit more on the unique side is Celosia Asian Garden. And I was just talking about with our vegetables that some of the companies from Asia are putting entries in. And this is a company, it's called Mirakami Seeds. And this is their first ever entry. And right off the bat, they won for the Celosia. And it's not the coxcomb time type. <clears throat> this one is more those those spiky plumes, uh-huh. uh, and I believe it's our uh, Celosia Arge- argentia. And so this one is hot pink. They have kind of like a little collar of lighter pink. In some conditions, I've seen it almost silvery white, but um, really good branching. So it's a bushier type. It will also be used for cut flowers, um, but it's great in the garden. And for pollinators, you know, we've been talking about pollinators. What do they want? So um, the pollinators were really crazy about the celosia. 
good. It looks a little bit like the old, what, flamingo, I guess, doesn't it? Exactly, and flamingo was the comparison. You are so oh. good. <laughs> yeah, okay. so it outperformed flamingo, and this is one of our national winners. That's good. What else do you have that pollinators are going to like? Because, you know, we need to get pollinators into our garden to help our vegetables when we're growing. Oh, we really do. So. Yeah, you know, that's one of if you talk about missions of, you know, let's try to get more people gardening. And I love that edible gardening is so huge, but you can't go 100% edibles. You have to have some ornamentals to go along with it to attract them. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we love are zinnias. That's great. We have a whole series of perfusions that were winners. Um, they were mm. gold medal winners about 15 years ago. And now we have this gorgeous red. And, I mean, when you think of a red zinnia, you usually think, oh, it's going to fade. This one does not fade. It was Ooh. just vibrant, and it's a perfect red. It's not a burgundy red. It's a red red. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we were really happy to see this one come in. It's just, you know, like everybody was saying, we've been wanting a red. You know, please, thank you. We finally have a red <laughs> zinnia. And this is a single. You know, the, uh, we have a couple double perfusions that are winners mm-hmm. um, in the salmon uh, range and hot cherry. Uh, but this is a single flower, so I think this one's even better for the butterfly- butterflies. I, I think you're right, because I've seen pollinators sometimes have trouble getting into the um, double flowers, and they, and they fade. And the mm-hmm. perfusion series is tough as nails for those who, yes. those folks that have grown uh, zinnias and had them all mildewy and stuff like that. That's not a problem mm-hmm. with with the perfusion series. Exactly. None that's that I've seen. The, yes, that's one of the reasons that the first series became AAS winners is because of their disease resistance. And they're a little bit more compact. You know, they're not a 36-inch tall plant. They're more like 18 yeah. to 20 inches tall. <laughs> And there's there's nothing wrong with a thirty inch tall plant if that's no, what you no, want. No, but, no. <laughs> um, yes, because you need that height in your garden. But uh, yeah. Okay. So what else do you have? That well, let's talk about like? a penstemon. We okay. have um, Twizzle Purple, and this one is a regional winner for Great Lakes and the Southeast. But it's purple, so it is gorgeous. Lots and lots of flowers. Um, we have perennials that are tested as first-year flowering annuals, and that's how we tested this one. Now, we also have a separate perennial trial, but it's a three-winter overwintering trial, so mm-hmm. I won't be, be able to announce the first winners of that one until 2019, so call me back in two more years. Um, but this one was tested for first-year flowering, so it's great. You know, if you want to grow from seed, just start it early enough in the year, and you're going to get really good performance the first year. So that's one of the great things about this penstemon. That's a, that's good because I I know I've tried to grow penstemons before and and really mostly they're not happy with our soil and our moisture levels here. But the first year they're just kind of puny plants, uh-huh. and uh-huh. once in a while I would get lucky and they would overwinter from AF conditions were right. But to have one that flowers and it's well in its first year that's right right really choice. Now there's, and, there's it's, a and it's a North American of, native, too. Yeah, exactly. That's what, and what's unique about this one is it actually comes from a Dutch company. So even <laughs> though it's a North American native, um, it was a Dutch company that entered it as a variety. And here's another thing. This tells you how great it grows. Um, we have 
an organization in Europe that is basically a clone of All America Selections. It's it's a lot newer. It was founded about 40 years ago, but it's called Flora Select. And mm-hmm. this same entry was put into the Flora Select trials, and they trial all over Europe, and it's a winner there as well. Wow. Um, same way with that Zinnia Perfusion Red. So you have some of these that are entered in both the European and the North American trials, and when they're a double winner, to me that's, like a double, triple mark of confidence for your garden. I did not know that they were they were double trialing some of these because Europe, of course, has got some hugely different climate yes, areas than right. we do. Right. I mean, it's got parts that are like part of of our country, but anybody that's ever been in Holland in in May and got snowed on knows yeah. that it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little it's different. Scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and the hummingbirds love penstemons too. So yeah. I, that's a that's a real plus. Now this right. one's a real tall one, isn't it? Yeah, we this were talking about like, thirty six inch plants. Yes, this one yeah. will grow to about thirty six inches tall. So put it at the back of your border and just enjoy it. I, I guess you know. I wonder how it would go with salvia garnetica in the back of the border because yeah, that's a hummingbird would. magnet. I, too. Yeah, I mean. If you want to make an area for hummingbirds, that would do it, no doubt. Okay. What else you got this year in the winter? Um, we have, okay, You're gonna. I sound like a broken record, but I think you will love this concept, is we have another company uh, from Thailand, and they have put in several vincas, and we have two winners. They're called Mega Bloom. There's one Pink Halo and then one Lavender Halo. And um, so it's got the white eye or the white center uh, Mm -hmm. with the pink or the lavender around the outside. These have been bred for the heat and humidity of Thailand. So I think they would do (laughs) very, very well for you. Yeah, and for our Florida listeners, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, they would. You know, we have Disney is one of our uh, test areas for flowers, so you never know. Some of these may just end up in huge Disney displays if they do well at their at the AAF trial there at Disney. Well, that's and Disney, of course, has some absolutely spectacular displays and yeah. a lot of yeah. fool your eyes displays that make you think that you're in Norway when you're when it's really ninety degrees outside. Yeah, yeah. That's the, these the look lovely kind of fun. Part of I that. love the white centers on these. Yeah, and I called it lavender. It's actually orchid because it's a pinkish purple. So mega uh-huh. bloom orchid halo and mega bloom pink halo are the two varieties. I like looking at this. I like pink halo, and I, that's interesting because I usually don't like pink. I think they'd okay. be great in combination. You know, it's for a mix. So yes, you would. Yeah. It, it would almost be like shades of pink. So I think that would be awesome. And put it with something like some of the other old-fashioned vincas. That that would be a fun thing. Yeah. And the butterflies and the bees like vinca. Sure. Yep. So there again, it's easy. It's easy for them to get nectar. Yeah, they, they haven't fun. bred out that that the nectaries or anything, have they? They're, they're no. I I like. think um, you know you see some sunflowers that are pollenless, but they still have the nectar. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think anybody would really be doing that now, unless it's maybe for the florist trade, because, you know, when a florist is dealing with cut flowers. So that's yep. just a whole different market. 
I bet you somebody's going to get really rich if they make a lily that doesn't have pollen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alrighty. So we've got about three minutes. Um, is there anything else that really has caught your eye this year that you want to talk about? Or should well, we let's talk just about... talk about um, the geranium calliope. And it's okay. called medium dark red, which some people might think that that's a little bit of an oxymoron. The medium talks about the the... Um, shape and height and size of the plant because calliope does come in large, very large, robust ones. This one is being bred for that medium size, um, not not like what you would buy in like a little tiny four-inch pot or anything. So this is a good medium size one. The color is great. It's a dark red. It's an interspecific zonal, so it has, you know, the two shades on the leaves. Um, this is a vegetative variety. So this one was grown from cuttings, so you'll only be able to buy it as plants. Um, but just really heat tolerant, disease tolerant, you know, will bloom its head off all summer long. Uh, doesn't matter heat, drought, whatever it is. I'm going to have to try some of these newer geraniums that are supposed to be heat tolerant because I loved them. I grew up with them, and they don't like it here. We yeah. only got about okay. two minutes, but where can people go to find out? Now, you have another program going on that I wanted to mention. You have a landscape design contest, and there's yeah. still time for yeah. people to enter if they have uh, a master gardener group that does display gardens and things like that. Uh, well, where yeah, can people they... find that information and all the pictures and stuff like that that's on your website? Everything can be found at aswinners.com. You can also find the website at all-americaselections.org. All the information is on there about where to buy. Um, display gardens can go under display gardens, and there's um, a link to the landscape design winners and information about how to enter is under the industry tab. So it's a great website. We just relaunched it. should have everything anybody would want to know about, about the organization and about our winners. I will, of course, put that information up on our Facebook page for people that that uh, would like to see it. I think it's a great uh, way for getting people involved and getting, you know, a lot of people just go to the garden centers and buy what's there. And they may have good plants or they may not. And I think this is a great way to get people acquainted with the best of the best plants so that they have success and they they have more fun with it. Right, right, yes, I agree. And having fun in the garden is, is really what it's all about. It is. We Don't can, get stressed about can, it. <laughs> yeah, just just have fun. Don't stress. Right. If something doesn't work this year, try it again next year. Keep exactly. notes so, you, you know, little notes on your on your whatever device that you use, on your mobile device, and, and then you can look back. You know, did you have 100 days of 100 degrees or, or whatever? Well, thank you, Diane, so much for being with us. I am so happy to have you here, and I hope we can get you back next week, next year, to talk about the 2018 winners. Uh, it would be my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, and that's all the time we have today, but we'll be back here next week with more of America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I hope you'll join us. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.